Welcome to the first episode of the Hoops and Buckets podcast, a podcast where two mates who share their interest in all things basketball bring you the NBA's latest news, injuries, signings, plus much more. Episodes available every fortnight on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. I'm joined by Reese Sullivan. Uh, Reese, thanks for coming on. So let's get this show started. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sean. It's always good to be uh, on a debut podcast, to be able to witness the birth of something very special. You know, it's going to be a great time. I can tell you that now. And just a quick disclaimer, Reese will be um, the co-host um, alongside me on this podcast. Um, and, you know, we just want to tell you guys what the podcast is, is going to be about. Um, it's going to be about, as we said, everything uh, NBA. Um, and we want to sort of give you a, a sports show, if you will, um, looking back on you know, every two weeks, as we mentioned, looking back on all the action that's happened in those two weeks in the NBA, bringing you, as we said, just everything uh, we possibly can. We want to make the podcast, um, you know, fun for you guys and fun for us. And we're just looking to create something really good here. Yep. So you pretty much hit the nail on the head there, Sean. Uh, you know, we're not going to be one of those podcasts, you know, like a Bill Simmons or a, uh, or a, you know, dare I say, Skip Bayless. Um, along, yeah, we're, we're also not going for the serious Woj pod or the, I feel like a good, you know, sort of podcast to go off is um, Low Post by Zach Lowe. Yeah, exactly. We're just here to have fun and talk basketball. Um, and with that being said, uh, let's let's get straight into it. Um, for today's episode, we're going to look at uh, we'll preview um, previewing the NBA, the 2020 NBA season. We'll have a quick look at the off season, um, go through the draft, free agency, and trades, plus some funny moments um, that me and Reese thought were. Thought we're good to share with you guys. So, first of all, the draft. It was pretty scripted. It was it was to the book. It was how, in my opinion, I, I thought it would go. Um, my top three was exactly the same as it went. Um, so let's let's get straight into that. As you know, the number one pick was Anthony Edwards, uh, the man from Georgia, six foot three shooting guard, and it it was just the right pick for Minnesota. Everyone everyone knows that. That pick was the pick that they were going to make. It, it makes sense in terms of that roster. Um, it creates a little bit of a big three. And and Reese, for you, is Minnesota? Are they the team? Do you expect them to be in the playoffs? Uh, I expect them to be contending for a playoff spot. There's probably uh, four or five teams I have fighting for the last three playoff spots in the West. And yeah. Minnesota are definitely one of those teams. The big problem with the Timberwolves, especially this year, is going to be defensively. Um, I remember a big tweet that came out, especially after they traded for D'Angelo Russell. Minnesota are going to go all next season average, scoring an average of 150 points a night, but conceding 160. Exactly. Like, and, Anthony, and Sorry, quickly there. And Anthony Edwards, at least he brings, you know, the, the, that defensive ability. Yeah, 100%. He's a very solid defender, but they're going to need him to be an elite defender right off the bat, which realistically isn't going to happen. So bec- yeah, that's going to put more pressure on Ricky Rubio to play defense. Uh, I know they have Rondé Hollis-Jefferson as well. They picked him up uh, in free agency. So he could be a decent bench defender if he gets minutes. You know... And Malik and Malik Beasley, Malik Beasley as well. We need to rely on him. Yeah, and and 
he that's an interesting thing because with Anthony Edwards, as you know, he's a great defensive player, but his offense isn't as consistent. He's a killer three point shooter, but he reminds me of you know guys like uh, Trey Young or another player in this draft class, Cole Anthony, where their three point ability is absolutely off the charts. Not not so much as the two players I just mentioned in case of Anthony Edwards, but he's he's such a good three point shooter, but it's not as consistent. So. Like, what do you want to improve first? And I, I think for a player like Anthony Edwards, I think his defensive ability, if you can bring it, make him a 3 and D player, he would be then Like, that's exactly what Minnesota needs. 100%. I agree with you on that. You know, Minnesota, they can score. they got yeah. Tejo Russell. they got Kyle Anthony Towns. That's two 25-point-a-game scorers right there. That's the bulk of your scoring done. If Edwards yeah. can average, say, 16, 17 points a game on very efficient shooting while also playing good to elite-level defense, that would be perfect for the Timbers. That's exactly what they need. 100%. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where Anthony Edwards goes. Well, he, you know, so far he's had a great uh, couple of first preseason games. Nothing special, but, um, you know, Anthony Davis is, is definitely, you know, proving himself so far as a worthy number one pick. Going on to the second pick, James Wiseman uh, out of Memphis, we haven't seen much of Memphis, sorry, not Memphis, James Wiseman, sorry, in terms of, because obviously we know that the, the college um, season being cut short for him um, with that whole incident, we won't get to that. But look, James Wiseman, again, it was just the pick that everyone knew it was going to happen. It made sense for the Golden State Warriors. And he, I mean, there's nothing else you can really say about him because we don't know that much about him. And, and that's the exciting thing. As the season goes on, we get to sort of, see what he is but something that I think something to note is that with James Wiseman and not having playing that college season um, there's not much criticism on him there's just a lot of speculation and hope and a lot of positive you know sort of news coming his way so I feel like he's got hardly any pressure on him um, to to perform well and, and Golden State's already got Steph Curry All so right. If they miss the playoffs and no one's going to be pointing fingers at the rookie, they're going to be pointing fingers at Stephen Curry. Yeah, I think it'd be a big surprise if the Warriors end up missing the playoffs. You know, Steph's one of those players yeah. where, you know, you expect him to be able to make the playoffs every season. And obviously last year he only played five games and the Warriors end up winning 15 games all season. So that kind of correlates. But Wiseman, you know, he does have a bit of pressure on him. With you know, Clay Thompson out for the entire season, unfortunately having torn his Achilles literally the day before the draft. Um, mm. You know, he he's going to have to be a scorer. You can't expect Draymond Green to be able to average 15 points a game anymore. You know, his offensive abilities yeah. have regressed well beyond that point. Wiggins and Kelly Oubre Jr. are both good scorers. Inconsistent, though. But you need that other scorer to be able to average, you know, someone like, you'd expect Wiseman would have to average 15 points a game to keep the Warriors afloat. And the problem with that, the only criticism I've seen of Wiseman so far, uh, this is from, you know, Warriors training camp videos, what we saw of him in college, those three games he did play for the Memphis Tigers. His yep. shooting. He, is, he yeah. struggles a lot from beyond the arc. And Given the way that the center position is trending, 
that's going to be a major issue for him unless he can back match that lack of shooting with elite interior play, elite post play, elite interior defensive play, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And if he could if he can do that, that's perfectly fine. That's going to fit the Warriors very well. You saw, you know, they won a championship with Andrew Friedman Boga playing center. Okay, they won a championship <laughs> with a center. They won two championships actually with a center rotation of JaVale McGee and Zaza Petrulia. They don't need an elite center to win, but if they can get one, that would be perfect. But an interesting note with James Wiseman, and you were talking about in areas of his game that he needs to improve on, and a bit of criticism there with his three point. His inside game is great and add strength to him. And as the older he gets, the bigger he gets, the only better he'll get. I, I'm This guy is going to be a serious beast inside. And he can draw fouls, which is really good. He gets to the line really well. Um, so I know we haven't seen as much, but from the three games um, that he played in for Memphis, he was he got to the line a bunch of times. And, and he you know, it was a pretty deep – he's a good – actually a good uh, free-throw shooter. So overall, James Wiseman, another solid pick. It was a textbook pick. Everyone knew it was going to happen. And um, Golden State got themselves a great center there. Let's go to the third pick, LaMelo Ball. Uh, everyone was talking about LaMelo Ball. Um, as we know, we're watching Australia. Look, LaMelo Ball, it is – It's. I don't know what to think of him. Um, after that, for his debut game in the preseason against Memphis, it was – like, what do we think of that? I, I, I just, I don't I'm know just, what to think. Yes, I'm just going to say, I have never seen someone get more highlights for a zero-point game mm. than LaMelo Ball. All right? <laughs> I know. It was, it was weird because there's that much hype around him in this, you know, like, it's been leading up to his debut and he didn't score, but he still had an impact on the game, though. You, you can't deny that he had a big impact on that, that run that they went on and... How they blew it, I have no 100%. idea. Hundred uh, percent. In my eyes, you know, Lamelo is probably, you know, a year away. His rookie season is going to be a big, you know, break-in year, kind of like how it was with Trey as a rookie, Trey Young. Uh, mm. Even Steph Curry, it took his rookie season wasn't really anything to write form about. He found some form into his second season. Don't forget, Steph came into the league two years older than LaMelo. So it took him time to find yeah. his side. I understand it was a very different type of basketball played in 2010 compared to 2021. But, you know, that's crazy actually to say out loud. But, mm. yeah, and difference. the game has changed so much. Uh, and yet LaMelo looks older than <laughs> Stephen Curry. He does too, eh? Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, it's going to take time for Lamelo to adjust to the style of NBA play. You know, he's probably going to take maybe 12, 13 shots a game his rookie season, which, you know, it's not superstar level, but it's at the same time, it's pretty good for a rookie. And he'll, if the Hornets are smart, they'll slowly build him into the offense as the season goes on. And that's where the criticism will come when you talked about him taking 13 or 14 shots a game. You know, he's not going ma- to be making 13 out of 13, 13 out of 14. He's going to be, you know, averaging probably 50%. He's probably going to be getting around, you know, we're looking, what are we looking at, six, seven shots a night in the early part of his rookie season. And 
that's where the criticism will come because on paper that doesn't look good in terms of stats. So he, for, for him to succeed, I think something he needs to hit the ground running and, and just, you know, so he can have the media not have a reason to criticise him, if that makes sense, because I think the ball, I don't know, well, his brother didn't handle the pressure well. I I think Lamelo is a, a bit better with pressure, I'm assuming, just because of his personality, but I think he needs to hit the ground running so that he can just get in, once the season gets going and he's in that, you know, mixed of the season, he can just focus on him and not have to deal with the media and all of that, because Laval... He's probably going to start talking, and, and there's all there's so much hype around him. So I think he needs to hit the ground running to minimise uh, that the pressure that will come. Well, from it's the worth media. noting that in Trey Young's first thirty career games uh, in the eighteen nineteen season, he only shot <clears> above fifty percent three times. Exactly, and that and and that's a good comparison because that will definitely be. But by the end of the season. He had 22 50% games. So it's going yeah. to take time to adjust to the NBA level. You know, a lot of people think the hardest part of adjusting to being a shooter in college or overseas to being a shooter in the NBA is the extended three point arc. But beyond that, you know, the way defenders play is extremely different. You know, in Europe, in the NBL, you know, a lot of the defense is post-centric. You want to force players exactly. to take the shots outside. You don't want to let them inside. In the NBA, it's almost the opposite. The mid-range is open. You don't want them to take easy threes, and you don't want them to get shots in the paint. So you push out on the mid-range, and you protect all that. So it's... Exactly. And that's... And sorry, quickly, that's... For Lamelo. that's going to be open mid-range is an area he'll need to work on. His mid-range shot is not good. His three-point shot is... It's good, but it's inconsistent. Um, and well, actually, no, it's just inconsistent. <laughs> and he needs to. Be, <laughs> he needs. I had yeah, to correct yeah. myself then. It is inconsistent. Yeah, um, I had to sound like that guy, but he his jump shot will need to improve because if he can get a steady mid range game going and a, and a steady three point shot going, he he will succeed. But you know, like f- for now, I, I just can't see him really shooting more than 40%. He's shooting under 50% from the good first sort of, I'm going to say, even half. I think he shoots, I think he shoots under 40% for the first half of the season. I think, you know, we'll see him around the All-Star break, probably at the 38 to 41% mark, somewhere in there. Like at the highest, I'm saying the 40. Um, With that being said, looking at the the other draft, we'll just um, get some honourable mentions. Patrick Williams, from Florida State, a surprising pick. By I'll Chicago. tell you what, though, like um, it was a very surprising pick. I didn't like it when he got picked. I'm not going to lie because he didn't start a game in college. He didn't start a single game for mm. uh, FSU. But in preseason with Chicago, he has been looking very nice. And uh, I was talking to a Bulls fan on Twitter the other day, and I compared it to a sort of like the Chris Aspasinjas pick. You know, you're picking a guy with very little hype who a lot of the fans, a lot of the casual fans have never looked at before. But he comes in and makes an impact straight away. And I think that's what Patrick Williams is. He's a very talented player. He can play the two. He can play the three. He can be a small ball power forward. He can be a rocket ball center. You know, it's perfect for the Bulls. It'll it'll definitely play into his favor. 
and and going down, that's a guy like you know. Um, I, I was I thought Obi Toppin would go there, so he surprised me when he slipped. You know, eighth, you know, um, you know who I York. would go to the Bulls. The ninth pick, who? Daniel Deja. I thought. Yeah, that, I, I'd agree. That was a pick that I, I had. I think it was Obi Toppin, Denny Abdeja, or yeah, I thought Denny was for sure going top five. I think you know the Wizards being able to pick him up at nine, especially with how he's played in preseason, that might be the steal of the draft. Yeah, I think I, I would agree. But I've, to go to the Onyeka Okongu pick at number six at Atlanta, look, I don't like that pick. Not because of anything. With Onyeka, it's just the fact that he's into that roster. He doesn't fit that roster well. He fit. He fitted. He fitted Chicago well. He fitted pretty much any team but Atlanta. Yeah, because I mean, like you um, know, Atlanta have John Collins to catch Trey Young lobs, and they have Clint Capella to grab offensive rebounds. What do they really need Onyeka exactly. for? That's and then they've and they've got Danilo Gallinari, so I could I'm I'm saying a trade maybe, um I I I just don't like how he fits into that roster because he doesn't I fit guess into that roster. I he like could be an undersized stretch five, and that might help, you know, especially since the Hawks have Rondo, you know, centers playing off playmakers like Rondo, especially stretch fives, always seem to do pretty well. Uh, but that's a, it's a big exactly. if. It's a big if. I'll yeah. tell you that much. I would have switched them around. I would have switched the sixth and seventh pick around. I would have went Killian Hayes to Atlanta and Onyeka Okongu to Detroit because, well, Onyeka could have been the cornerstone of the franchise. Um, but for me, mentioning uh, Killian Hayes, I think he could be my contender for the still of the draft. Um, I I would put Taris Halliburton there in 12th as well, but I, I just Yeah, like there's a Hayes. couple of, you know, there was a couple of really good picks in the back end of the first round. Uh, I think another one was the Sixers pick of Tyrese Maxey as well. You know, that was a very, mm. in my opinion, very strong pick there for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I'm just pulling up the draft quickly. I also think Josh Green going to Dallas, if they can use him right. Jalen Smith yep. going to Phoenix. Uh, I think as you mentioned earlier, Paul Anthony to Orlando. He's already proven himself as a point in Orlando. Apparently, uh, they're saying that they might look to run a backcourt of Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz at certain points this season. So, I'd like to quickly, for my, oh, I'm going to change my answer. My still the draft. He's way down the second in the second round, which I was surprised Ooh. about. Nico Mannion. I could not believe that he went to 48th. And to go to Golden State, I've, I'm happy for him. I think that's such a great pick for go, pick up for Golden State. He, I couldn't have seen – I had him going 15th, 16th, just outside the lottery, and he slips all the way down to 48th. I have no idea what happened there, but Nico Manning, for me, I'm going to lock him in there with my – I mean, the Lakers draft. were looking uh, at him – with the 28th pick before they traded that to the Thunder. So, yeah, definitely should have gone higher. Um, another pick for me, I was looking at, you know, below Mannion just to try and one-up you. Uh, 
Cassius Stanley's <laughs> probably the closest I'd come below Mannion with the 54th pick going to Indiana, but he will start at least his rookie season on a two-way contract. Uh, so I'd go for yeah. the low pick, my seals, 29th pick to Toronto, Malachi Flynn. You know? And out of San Diego State, San Diego State, the yeah. same college where Kawhi Leonard came from, he, in preseason, he really impressed. He played very well going toe-to-toe with Lamelo, And you know, Masai Ujiri rarely gets these late-round picks wrong. Obviously, you know, at the start <laughs> of his uh, general managership career, he did take Bruno Caboclo, which wasn't necessarily the best pick in the world. But, you know, other than that, guys like Pascal Siakam, uh, he managed to get Fred Van Vliet when he went undrafted. You know, and now Malachi yeah. Flynn, I think you'll add him to that list in two, three years' time as well. I think... and. To, to mention more still in the drafts, uh, Precious Achua, the 20th pick, or even Tyrese Maxey with the 21th pick, the Heat and Precious Achua, that's just a great power forward. They they needed a, a solid, sturdy power forward. Um, he's 6'9", I think. Look, he's just a great fit for them. Um, then Tyrese Maxey, like, oh, Tyrese, you can't go wrong with him. Philadelphia, great, again, th- three-point um, shooter with, with him. RJ Hampton, surprised to see him going to Milwaukee, but then being traded to Denver. So he, he didn't see. Well, I mean, players usually aren't happy when they get traded on draft night. Uh, that just skip, but that's <laughs> from fire. That means, okay, I'm going to prove you wrong. You thought I was an asset. I'm going to prove to you I'm a superstar. And that's what happened with exactly. Mitchell after he got traded from Denver to Utah on draft night. A hundred percent. And. I mean, I can see where he's coming from. He's probably thinking I'm going to Milwaukee. Yes, I'm probably going to, like, I've got a legitimate shot at winning a championship. Oh, you're going to piss off a bunch now. of Denver fans by saying that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> With that being uh, said there, um, that was the 2020 draft. Um, Reese, you quickly want to lock in your uh, I'm going to draft. rock with Denny. I think, you know, t- obviously the ninth uh. pick isn't that bad for a player being drafted. You know, being called the ninth best player in a draft class, you know, pretty damn good. But got a nice ring know, to it. I think he should have gone top five at le- at minimum. So the the gap between five to 100%. nine is bigger than the gap to say ten to twenty eight. So I think that plays into my decision there. One hundred percent. And as we as you know, the draft is just one part of uh, this year's off season. It was a shortened off season, and and just a couple of days later. Um, we had the free agency, and that was – it wasn't too big um, in terms of – we had no real big signings. It was got a lot of re-signings. Um, but the team that did really do well in terms of signing um, people and signing players who we did, definitely didn't think would go there is the Atlanta Hawks. Um, picking up Bog, um, Bogdanovich, um, Danilo Gallinari, Rajon Rondo, I for three great solid signings for them. Um, so let's just have a look at, at the free agency and, and some of the trades that also went down in the offseason. Um, my first question to you, Reese, is who, who was the signing that just shocked you? The what most shocking signing shocked in my eyes was definitely the Bogdan Bogdanovich signing because, you know, he, first of all, the Kings and Bucks had agreed to a signing trade and then he turned around and said, no, I don't want to go to Milwaukee to fix that. And then while he was in negotiations 
the Simon trade for him as well. And he decided, no, I don't want to go to the Lakers. So the two best teams in the league both wanted to pick him up. And instead, he went to Atlanta. You know, and I guess you know, he might want to play a bit more. He might want to get a few more minutes, get a few more touches. In which case, that's perfectly fine. But, you know, it was just a bit of a surprising one. 100%. Um, and the the trade for me, so the signing for me that surprised me was Gordon Hayward. I just don't see any sense in that. Um, it was just, for me, an unnecessary um, sort of signing. I think they paid way too much for him. Um, and I'm going to, you know, he's not backing Gordon Hayward as a player. I just, Charlotte just wanted a veteran. And, um, yeah, but Hayward. Yeah. I, I just don't understand. don't see what they all right. All right, all good. So we were talking uh, about Gordon Hayward, and I, I think his agent deserves a spot in the Hall <laughs> of Fame, okay? Because that man, after what he did in Boston, he played decent, but he didn't play, you know, superstar level. He is going to be getting paid $34 million when he turns 34 years old. That's crazy. Like, yeah, I... I don't know about that from the uh, Hornets perspective, but shout out, shout out to Gordon Hayward, bro. Like, you know, if you can secure the bag, you can secure <laughs> the damn bag. Uh, but one team that really went hard in free agency is the Los Angeles 100%. Lakers. Uh, Montrez Harrell, Marcus Gasol, Wesley Matthews, all going to the Lakers. You know, it did cost them Rondo, Dwight Howard, all leaving in free agency. And then a couple of trades as well, Danny Green, JaVale McGee. Uh, but, and on top of that, they also traded for... Which is a great pickup. ...from the Thunder. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're a Thunder fan, so, you know, of course you'd be able to say hello <laughs> about Schroeder. Uh, but in your eyes, okay, with the Lakers... Every bit of roster turnover, okay, that they've had, even with LeBron getting older, are they better than they were last That's year? That's a tough one. Um, it really is. Oh, I want to say they're equal. Um, I, I, and I know that, that I'm on the fence because, yes, they picked Montrezl Harrell up. Yes, they picked uh, Dennis Schroeder up. But they lost JaVale McGee. They lost to White Howard. They lost Rajon Rondo. They lost... Da- um, did I mention Danny Green? Um, yeah, so no, they lost yeah. four key role players who all played a big part in like, except for not as much Rondo with his injury, but they all played a, a, a big part in that championship last year. And when you look at the Clippers roster and the guys they picked up in free agency, Serge Barker, Luke Kennard... Um, and you look at the role, the key role players that they have in that team. For me, it's going to be interesting to see how the Lakers play with, against the Clippers. Obviously, we've seen in preseason, but to to answer the question, I'm going to say the Lakers are the same, if not slightly not as good in terms of they don't have as much depth. Okay, I think it's time for our first <laughs> argument uh, of the podcast because I completely. Disagree with that. Like every hold word on, hold you on. said. It's, 
is this is this from a from an analytical point of view or is this from the Lakers fan point of view? Okay. From both. Okay. From both. Okay. So first of all, okay, <laughs> JaVale McGee was the complete opposite of what the Lakers needed at center. So losing him overall, just even if you take into account the trade to get Alfonso McKinney in from Cleveland for him, that's a positive. Okay. But, you know, obviously the loss of Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo, Danny Green even, you know, those are big losses. They were very, very good parts very of the Lakers machine last season. But in their place, you've added, you know, the first and second place in the six-man-of-the-year voting last season in Schroeder and Harrell, both of whom averaged 18 points a game. The Lakers didn't have a 18-point-per-game scorer last season that wasn't named LeBron James or Anthony Davis. So that's massive. That's a, yeah. You also added Marc Gasol, who is a defensive player of the year in 2013. Obviously, he's not as good as he was exactly. at that yeah. time, but he is still he, he is still a very reliable I would disagree. I think Marc Gasol, he's still alive. He's still got a good three-point shot, but his defensive ability has deteared from 2013. He's definitely not the player he was back then. So uh, 100%, 100% he's... He, I will say he's a woeful perimeter defender mm-hmm. now. Like back in 2013, he could kind of guard the perimeter a little bit. Nowadays, he's woeful. But inside, in the post, he's still very good. And that's going to help against guys like Nico Jokic. That's going to help against guys like Serge Ibaka, who like to back down, try to wheel their way in. Yusuf Nurkic as well. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, Anthony Davis is only going to get better. He's only 27 years old. Taylor Horton Tucker. <laughs> let's talk about this kid for a Let, second. Let's okay? talk. We're back to agreeing on something. Yeah. I think that's the best breakout preseason I have seen. Without a doubt. What Taylor Horton Tucker did. And I don't know if he's going to get legitimate minutes, at least at the start of the season. Because I remember last season, you know, Alex Caruso had a pretty good preseason. Then didn't play a single minute in the season mm-hmm. opener. Uh, but... You know, this kid is going to be a very good player. LeBron has called him special, which is has to be the highest praise you can receive as an NBA and, player. And, and what that would do for his confidence would be such a boost. Oh. But I think the scariest thing about Taylor Horton Tucker is he's basically a rookie. Exactly. He's younger. He is two years younger than Obi Toppin. It's crazy. And, oh. Yes. Like, Taylor Yes, it's preseason, but if he can, when the season starts in just a couple of days, if he can come out and play the way he played in the preseason, oh my God, the confidence that will just come out of that, all the praise that he'll get, he could be serious, seriously the Lakers' best still. And he could be the best young player. He could be, I said it before, the Alex Caruso um, of 2020 for the Lakers. Yeah, but. Now I'll quickly switch on to the Clippers, which was the second part of yeah. your argument. Okay, uh, so the Clippers they made obviously three moves in the off season or three signings in the off season. Abaka is the big one, and Abaka is a great player. And don't get me wrong when I say what I'm about to say next. Abaka is better than Montrezl Harrell. Okay, I'm not going to try and argue mm. otherwise. But because of the fact they lost Harrell on top of bringing Ibaka, it's kind of a lateral movement. 
Like, yeah, you get a Barker. That's a good signing. But you already had a power forward last year who was putting up similar numbers to what a Barker put up. Like, you, you didn't need to do it. And, and, and that's a good point. You could have just, you could have just kept Harrell. But the signing that I think is interesting is Luke Kennard. He... I think yeah. they sort of lack a spot-up shooter, a sharp shooter, and, and they get that in Luke Kennard. Which is, which is weird because they have Lou Williams. But I think Williams is declining at this point. I don't think he's going to be the player he was during that uh, 2019 playoff series against the Warriors. I hope you remember <laughs> that. Uh, how could I uh, Yeah. You know, he's still going to be a very solid backup point guard. But he's not going to be a six-man-of-the-year candidate again, probably, which, you know, it kind of sucks having to watch these superstars. Well, Lou Williams isn't a superstar, but these great players just slowly regress. Uh, Kennard is going to bring some scoring to that team. Exactly. He's going to... And he's 100% an improvement on Landry Shamit. Lou Kennard is very underrated as a scorer because he got overshadowed in Detroit... First of all, by Tobias Harris. Then when Tobias Harris got traded, he got overshadowed by Blake Griffin. And then last year, he got overshadowed by the fact that Detroit was fucking awful. <laughs> Pardon my friends. Uh, but It'll just be interesting to see, you know, you know how the role players sort of... Because they've got two superstars. Those two superstars will be locked in no matter what. And the key role players, it's... It's the rest of the those two, the rest of the players on both those teams that that will tip the tide. Um, the one of them. Yeah. And and quickly going to Phoenix Suns, um, with Chris Paul getting traded there, I think best trade in the off season. Um, and that creates, I don't think a big three. It creates a duo with a, with a promising rookie. Well, not not quite a rookie. Well, not a promising not rookie. So is promising young in player. his in his third season in the I league. I shouldn't say rookie. Uh, promising young player. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because a lot of people looked at that Chris Paul trade and their immediate reaction was, imagine how good Devin Book is going to be alongside Chris Paul. And that's the big part. That's the big positive part of that trade because Devin Booker has, he's been the leader. He's had to lead that team from the get-go. Now he's got a veteran. He can focus on himself and Chris Paul will be the leader for that team. But it's also kind of wrong. Well, the player who's going to benefit the most from Chris Paul is going to be DeAndre Ayton. Because of the great pick and roll and his playmaking abilities. You've got to remember, because of Chris Paul's presence, DeAndre Jordan is a three-time All-NBA player. Okay? DeAndre Jordan can't even shoot properly. (laughs) Okay, I... No, I, I, I remember talking to a mate about this, and I looked at the stats, and I said DeAndre Jordan in 2016 averaged 13 and 15, and he got rewarded with All-NBA first team. Andre Drummond in 2019 averaged 18 and 15, and he got rewarded with a trade to the Cavaliers. <laughs> Which is not a reward. It's not a reward. Exactly. It's... You know, it's it's crazy how good Chris Paul makes his centers. And I think, you know, DeAndre Ayton, he has been very underrated the last couple of seasons. Obviously, last year he did miss uh, 25 games for taking performance-enhancing drugs, which, you know, 
isn't exactly the brightest spot on a resume. <laughs> uh, but, you know, going forward, he's going to be able to continue to develop. If he develops a jump shot, especially, uh, I think he'll be arguably a top five center in the league by the end of this season. They've definitely got so much more promising potential um, for those two two young players in Devin Booker and, and Aiden. Um, and... But now, yes, I think it's time we talk about the biggest... Transaction of the offer. Is it the tra- is it is it does it start with a H and then end in a W? Like and the other the other parts of W. Is it is it the Houston Washington trade? Well, that's big, but it's not as big as. What Damn, I, think. I thought we were on the one that's mind waving. So you know. No, not quite. I'm talking about the Giannis Antetokounmpo supermax with Milwaukee. That is the huge one, and I don't even know how that slipped my mind. Let's let's dive it's... into that because that is that is. It was int- it's bold. It's a win for small markets, um, small market teams. So, like, what do you think about it? Uh, I think you know it's an interesting move by Giannis because obviously his main focus is win championships. Uh, he said that from the get go, and Milwaukee so far they've especially Budenho- Mark Budenholzer in particular. He hasn't proved himself as a coach to be able to lead a team on a deep playoff. Team. Exactly. Like you got to, you got to remember uh, a quote from the series against Toronto where they lost four one in twenty nineteen. He turned around and said, "If we can't beat them without Giannis having to play more than forty minutes, then we don't deserve to beat them." Exactly. That's the worst quote I've heard a coach ever give. Isn't. Well, it's interesting. At the same time, it's kind of him taking responsibility. I would say it's it's a it's a statement by a coach that's saying, "I I need to take more. I I will be taking more responsibilities." Yeah, hundred percent. But you look at generational superstars over the years. Okay, you know LeBron James in the two thousand and nine playoffs was averaging damn near forty four minutes a game. Okay. Will Chamberlain in 1962 averaged 48.5 minutes a game when you only play 48 minutes in a game. Okay? Think, think of that for a second. You know, if you have a generational talent superstar, you use them in the playoffs. And that's what Budenholzer has to realize. You know, team play can only get you so far. At one point, you have to put the ball in the hands of your best player and just tell him, get us some damn points. Exactly, but that's the thing, because they've built that team around Giannis. Like, that is a team that's built around Giannis, and it's been built around Giannis for the last three years now, you know, and it's worked like an old machine in the regular season. But when they get to the playoffs, it's like they it's like they don't have a different style of play for the playoffs and the regular season. It's the same style of play in in the regular season that they use in the playoffs. They, as you mentioned, they don't just give the ball to Giannis and let him go do the work. So that's why I, I think that, dare I say, is a change of coach maybe not the solution, but um, the right step to the solution for them to get a championship. Is, is that... Because I feel like they're just two or three steps away from in terms of two or three changes to the Milwaukee Bucks organisation and wherever that may be, away from getting a championship. And I think that after 
Yeah, this is the third season. Am I correct that Mike Boonholzer has been with the Bucks? They've been uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, third year they've been in the playoffs. And they haven't got there. With Boonholzer's coach. You know, they haven't got there. Yeah, and, I... and Giannis is in their prime. Why aren't we looking yeah. for a new coach? Like, that's what I would have to say. I think we should look for a new coach. Well, you have to remember, Toronto, with Dwayne Casey, four straight years, they were a top four seed in the playoffs. They only got to the conference finals in one of them. And in that one, they got swept. Or no, they lost 4-2 against Cleveland. I think they got there twice. No, they got there once. 2015, it was the guys who went against uh, Cleveland in Casey. 2015 was Atlanta. Oh, sorry. 2016 was Toronto. Then 2017, 2018 were both Boston. I was thinking, yeah, with um, with that, God, coach. And also, also, you remember who the... uh, you remember who that coach of Atlanta was in 2015? Mike Budenholzer. <laughs> Mike Budenholzer. And he did the exact same thing. He actually played, I looked this up and I couldn't believe it. Al Horford played less minutes per game in the playoffs than he did in the regular season. And that's, that's like, crazy. Like, exactly. So I, who, who's the question now? Let's, let's say, hypothetically, the box get rid of, they've said, well, we're getting rid of Mike Budenholzer. Who do they go for as, as a coach? Well, you know who I'd really like to see get their hands on Giannis and try to do something with him? Mike D'Antoni. Imagine Giannis playing in a seven seconds or less system. <laughs> that would be insane fast breaks, I'll tell you that much. And his but, rebounding you know, numbers would go up immensely. Oh, but, you know, it's interesting because Toronto, when they fired Casey... They didn't look for a marquee head coach. They hired from within, brought Nick Nurse up into the head coaching role. And obviously, you know, it kind of helps when you acquire Kawhi Leonard. But it took them to a championship. And Exactly. I think, you know, the Bucs have got to find their Nick Nurse. Like, they've got to find a new coach. I think that's not the answer to them or the solution, but it's a step in the right direction um, for that. But quickly, getting back to... Giannis signing um, on that, that, that five-year deal. Um, I think that the fact that for him re-signing, that shows that he, he wants to – he doesn't want to go anywhere else. And the quote that he made about um, – it was about him – and he mentioned LeBron and Anthony Davis. And he said that, look, I if I had LeBron and Davis on a team – well, no, I think he said if I had LeBron – don't don't quote me on this because I could be wrong. He said, I think he said, I have, if I had LeBron and AD saying that they wanted to play with me and I had to move, he wouldn't. You know, and that, he goes, he, he doesn't, it's clear, he's made it clear that he wants to stay in Milwaukee. He's about the club. He's about the franchise. He's about the town, the city. He wants to win a championship for Milwaukee. Yeah. So, and he's going to end up, if he plays at this contract, which I think he will, because first of all, there's no player option heading into the fifth year. Usually a lot of players will go with a four plus one. Giannis has gone for a straight five. Second of all, there's a 15% trade kicker in the contract. So anyone who tries to trade for Giannis will basically be paying 50% of their salary cap for him. And that's not what you want to do. So exactly that again sends the message that he wants to stay here. So 
I thought it was a bold move. I thought he he handled it quite well with with in terms of the media. So I thought he he's done a good job. He's got paid, and he he's just made it clear that he just wants to win a championship, and he's just gonna get back to work, get back in the lab, and do everything he can to win an NBA championship. Yeah, and he's gonna end up staying with the Bucks for at least, assuming he plays at the whole contract, thirteen seasons. When the average superstar usually only stays with a team that drafted them for seven or eight seasons nowadays. So that is a massive sign of loyalty. And, you know, the Bucks, to their credit, they did try to help him this year. They traded for Drew Holiday, even though it cost them five first-round picks. But they don't need those those five first-round picks. So I think that's a good trade. I mean, yeah, as, a lot look, of picks. But... As long as Giannis is there long-term, you don't have to worry about picks. It's a very similar situation with the Lakers now that Anthony Davis has been locked up for uh, at least four years with a player option for the fifth year. Those picks that they traded to the Pelicans to get AD have become a lot less valuable in a similar way with the Clippers. You know, Paul George locking in a five-year extension to stay with the Clippers. Those, some of those picks, not all of them, because they have some picks beyond the time frame of George's contract, but some of those picks that got traded to OKC for Paul George have become less valuable as well. Exactly. And, and I, like, overall, in terms of looking at Milwaukee as a team, I think that they need, that they need to make a, a blockbuster trade. That's another, in terms of talking about steps, they need to make another blockbuster trade to get that second star, if you will, with Anthony Davis. And this next free agency and the one after it is a great free agency to do that because you've got a lot of young guys um, coming up the likes of Trey Young and Luka Doncic and etc. Um, another quick two more key moments in the offseason. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another two quick moments to uh, – oh, my God, sorry. Another two moments in the offseason um, that I want to highlight over was uh, the Russell Westbrook-John Wall trade. Um, for me – Rockets lost that trade and the Wizards won it big time. They've got now two superstar. They've got two stars um, and then two great young young guys. But in that roster, in Denny Abdija and Rui Hachimura, the only problem for me is outside of you know that that roster. Add David Bertons to it. They just don't have the depth in that roster. Um, the, you know they lack a backup point guard. They lack a a backup small forward. So they're not quite there for a, a team that's a certain playoff team. I think that they'll be high as six um, and they'll be, you know, competing for that seventh to eighth playoff spot. Yeah, 100% I agree with that. Uh, on the other side, I'll focus on the other side of the coin, which is the Rockets. Mm. You know, I feel as it's too much lateral movement. I understand that they did want a star player in return for Westbrook in the same way they're looking for a superstar player uh, in any potential James Harden trade. Mm. But let's face it, the Rockets are rebuilding, okay? Like, they, that's that trade is a rebuilding trade. That's a move that... If not just, so, if it was a rebuilding yeah. trade, they would have gotten more than one first-round pick out of it. You know, you look at the Rockets, they have four first-round picks going to OKC, okay? You, well, they need picks. 
and well, they got that's a good point. They got one one or two picks. I don't remember which one it was in the Robert Covington trade, and they got one pick in the Westbrook trade. But if you're rebuilding, you don't trade for a player like John Wall unless you're going to move him on, like the Thunder did with Chris Paul last season. Well, when I when I said rebuilding trade there, just quickly, add, what I mean by that is it's a you know John Wall's not going to be there for the next three or four years, you know, all the rest of his career. You know that that's, you know, a, tr- a player who's probably going to be traded one if the second James Harden pretty much gets traded. Yeah, but I feel as though the John Wall trade was a deal that was done with Harden still in mind, with the idea, you know, oh, he's just bluffing. Once we get a player that fits with Harden, he's going to stay. Uh, obviously, you know, in the last couple of days, we've learned that's not true, and the Rockets are actively engaging in trade offers for James Harden. Uh, so, well, with, with that being said, let's say, hypothetically, let's say, um, well, let's play out this season, and, and John Wall comes back, has an absolutely amazing season, gets back to where he was, they make the playoffs, and Harden hasn't been traded. Does does then do all those trade rumors? Do you think they just stop and James Harden decides, hang on, I could I could play with a guy like John Wall? If they make the conference finals, then probably. If they do anything less, then Harden's still going to want out. You got to remember now, Harden is, I think he's almost thirty two. Okay, his time is starting to diminish. Mm. He doesn't have a ring yet. He's only made one finals appearance, and that was the sixth man on OKC. His legacy right now, his legacy, his crowning moment of his career was having a 3-2 lead over the Warriors in 2018. That's not how superstar players want to be remembered. They want to be remembered as champions. They want to be remembered as the guy who was able to take a team over the hump. And Putting John Wall on the team is good, but it's not going to be able to help him Champions get over probably. the hump. You know, what? you look at how other teams have helped their star players over the years. You know, you look at the Lakers who traded everything away for Anthony Davis. Then you look at the Rockets who traded everything away for Russell Westbrook. Can you see the difference? Exactly. And I think... Wait, well, bringing back to the point, if James Harden stays, I think he he wants a championship. None of he's at the point of his career where Newman he's thirty two, like he just wants a championship. I think they would have to make the finals. They would have to win a championship for him to stay. I think it, it's got to that point where Harden says, unless we win a championship, unless unless that happens, I'm out. I'm out definitely by the end of the season. Well, um, here's a question for you: If James Harden does end up getting traded this season, whether it be before the season starts the next two days, which looks, you know, extremely unlikely, or if it's before the trade deadline, where do you think he'll end up? I could see him going to Philadelphia. Um, I could see him and hold, hold on to your hats, Milwaukee. Not, oh, um, you know what Milwaukee could really use to trade for James Harden? Yeah, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and five first-round picks. I wonder where all and... those assets ended up. <laughs> well, that, think about it: Drew Holiday, 
Um, and a guy like Chris Middleton, some picks. That's a trade. That's, that's a trade that, that Houston that, does. That'd be good, but I don't know whether Milwaukee do that. Like, obviously, obviously, realistically, Giannis and Harden would be the perfect pairing in, in the in NBA history. Okay, even because even Harden, better than yeah. LeBron and AD. Because Giannis doesn't need the ball. He plays off the ball. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. Imagine James Harden coming off a Giannis pick and roll. Okay? Gets the, exactly. gets the screen from Giannis. Step back three. Make or miss. If it's a miss, Giannis flying Giannis in for the putback shot. Exactly. Like, that would so, be ridiculous. I don't see why that trade doesn't happen. Um, but the question is, is Milwaukee willing to give up? That much. I don't think they so, are. You'd have to think, you know, Middleton and Drew are definite in that trade. You'd also have to think Dante DiVincenzo and Brooke Lopez yeah, was, would probably have that. to go in yeah. that trade as well. That's four it, key players it, for one superstar. Yeah, and does it become a three-team trade? Because Houston's, if they trade James Harden, they're saying we're probably going to go rebuild. So they, they're not going to want a bunch of... So now of, all of a sudden you throw in a team like yeah. OKC who can give a few draft picks if they get asset in return. Yeah, I, I could see them. Or not really... I don't think they would trade for any more draft picks, and, and God, they don't need to. Um, so I, I could see them picking up a guy like Chris Middleton or a guy like John Moore or a guy like... Um, um, what's his name? Drew Holiday. Any three of those guys, I think they would, they would take um, as part of a three-team trade. Um, but it'd be interesting, and and with that sort of being said, that wraps up the the off season. It was it was a huge off like a, a quiet off season, a short off season, but I had it was jam packed. It was jam packed, and, and that's the word I was. Yeah, about. it was a jam packed off season. And now to to the previewing part of the podcast. Um, we're just gonna jump straight in and quickly. Probably for only about five minutes, just look over the conference and the conferences and, and decide which one's stronger. Um, it shouldn't be too hard. I think it's definitely <laughs> the best. It's, it's, it's the West. I mean, you've got teams like um, the Clippers, the Lakers, then you've got, you know, Nuggets, Mavs. It's, and you could even throw in the Jazz into that conversation. You could throw in teams like Trailblazers and, you know, Rockets and Timberwolves, if you dare. So, yeah. Overall, it's just a stronger conference. With that being said, though, in in the Eastern Conference, you have obviously Miami Heat. You've got the Celtics. You've got the Nets, which are the, probably the the strongest team. You've got the Bucks, uh, and then you've got teams like the Raptors, who you know are always going to be there, and possibly the Wizards, even as well. So. Um, Reese, what's your thoughts on, on the conference? Um, well, first of all, I'm just going to say this is the strongest East we've seen probably since, you know, LeBron joined Miami, you know, probably yeah. since that time when you had LeBron in Miami, you had Boston's big three, you had Derrick Rose's Bulls, and you had yeah, you know, the Pacers with Paul George, you know? Yeah. This is the strongest East since then, and that's scary because... You look at it on paper, and the East, you know, it's so open, it's not funny. There's probably five teams that all – five teams that all have a realistic chance of winning the East this year. You've got Brooklyn, uh, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, and Miami. 
it's crazy yeah. how open the East is. And then you could even you could even chuck the Raptors into it if, if you want. Eh, I, I don't know too much about. I don't think the Raptors. I'm not too high on them, especially since they lost Abaka, they lost Gasol, and Siakam. So, Siakam yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, ruined the bed in the playoffs. Yeah, he's, it's it, they've lost those key role players that were keeping them as a legitimate, you know, um, I mean, playoff Aaron set. Baines is a good pickup, but and yeah. add to that as well that they're having to play in Tampa Bay this season, you know, exactly. It, it all adds that's, up. That's it good. It all adds up. Now. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, definitely though. But losing Serge Ibaka, that was big. But they've got you know Carl Lowry. He's always always turning up for the playoffs. He has been. Um, you know, since it was him and him and oh him and DeRozan. DeRozan. Thank you. That, you know, that zero points game against Orlando in the twenty nineteen playoffs. We won't talk about that one too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're both in agreement there that uh, the Western Conference is stronger now. The big question: um, Who is your team to win the title this year? Okay, I can't go past the Lakers. I'm going to be straight <laughs> up. I can't go past the Lakers. You know, um, they still have, even with everything that's gone down this season, they still have the best duo in the league by far in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Exactly. I'm going to go, for me, I'm going to say, I'm going to go Brooklyn. Just that Kevin Ooh. Durant, Kyrie Irving, like, like, come on. And then you look at the roster with, you know, Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie, guy like... Um, Harris, a guy like, you know, Jared Allen, it's DeAndre Jordan, like, oh, come on, like, you can't go past that. And that duo is even, like, we haven't seen how it plays out, but it's got all the potential to be the best duo. I'll tell you what. Better than LeBron. I'll tell you what, that would be a beautiful final series. LeBron going up against Uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant at the exact same time. I would enjoy it. I would enjoy it more than the Clippers thing now, because you've seen that. Like, I want... That to be just oh, oh my god! Imagine you know, you know what you is... sound like. You sound yeah. like the quintessential LeBron hater, because last <laughs> year, no, I'm I not. Know, last year was all Clippers. <laughs> oh, you know the Clippers are better than the Lakers. If the Clippers go up against the Lakers in the playoffs, they, it's going to be a wrap. We want to see a Clippers Lakers playoff series. But now the LeBron haters roll. It's the Nets. It's the exact same story as the Clippers last year. But now instead of the Clippers, you have the Nets. The Nets are going to beat LeBron. We need to see a Nets-Lakers final series so that way Kevin Durant can expose yeah. LeBron. Well, I think that we've lost, like, with this year, the difference in terms of the likelihood of us getting a, a, a Brooklyn Nets-Lakers final is that they're in opposite yeah. conferences. Well, it's Obviously, crazy. like, it's in terms of getting that get Lakers-Clippers conference finals last season either because... They blew a three-one lead to yeah. the Denver Nuggets, <laughs> and obviously you can't get a finals. And, and I, I sort of misword that you can't get a finals. Obviously, appearance with two teams in the same conference, but if the fact that if you want a conference final matchup between two teams, it's hard because if they're in the same conference, they've got there's so many different like possibilities um, that that could play out. But when they're in the other you know, other conference, it's more clear-cut, a clear Look, path, I think will. as long as we um, get a Final Four of the Lakers and either the Clippers or the Mavericks, just so we can throw in some Luka Doncic bias in there, 
And then on the other side of the coin, the Nets and the Bucks. I think if that's our final four, we're going to be happy no matter who wins because that is going to be some top quality basketball for the next month. Exactly, and that would be that would be the ideal fairy tale uh, finals, you know, conference finals and finals matchups. Um, and with that being said, looking more into the future of the NBA season, um, let's have a look at. The contenders for the championship look a little bit more in-depth. Let's start off with, we've already touched the Clippers and the Lakers um, quite good there. Let's go to the Bucks. I'm um, sorry, the Nets. We'll, go, we'll start with the Nets. The Brooklyn Nets. So far looking good in the preseason, the star players, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. But the, the promising thing they have going for them is the key role players. Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, Joe Harris, Caius Levert, and Jared Allen. Like, that is just... That's that's almost, I think, probably one of the best support, key role players, supporting cast to go around a duo. Again, I'd argue Lakers, but I agree, I can see where you're coming from with that. You know, I I do have a bit of concerns with DeAndre Jordan and Jarrett Allen on the same team because it feels like you those two yeah. kind of can't coexist. You'd have to play one or the other, which works because. First of all, Jarrett Allen is still in a very team friendly contract. He's still very cheap. Jordan isn't extremely expensive, yeah. but he's on a bigger contract. But Allen isn't. And then alternatively, you know, Dinwiddie is going to be a great six man behind Kyrie. Karis LeVert mm. will be able to be the third option on the offensive end. And Joe Harris, even though he might be arguably on one of the worst contracts in the league now, he's going to still be able to be a great shooter coming off that Kyrie Irving yeah. screenplay. Exactly. But with to mention Spencer Dinwiddie there, him being the sixth man, it's it's a good and bad thing because, okay, you've got a great sixth man, probably the, you've got the best sixth man in the league, arguably. But um, could he possibly by the end of the season, if things don't go well, does he look for a trade? So that's the only sort of downside to, I guess, having Spencer Dinwiddie the sixth man Well, don't role. forget he's on an um, expiring but, contract as well. So there's a very good chance that, yeah. you know, if something goes wrong with Brooklyn and they are looking for an out, there's a good chance that Dinwiddie is one of the first players to go. Exactly. Or he could play the two-guard role. We'll, we'll most likely see him playing a two-guard role to be in the starting. Um, assuming Kyrie there, stays because... healthy. Yeah, and assuming Kyrie stays healthy, that's that's where... Brooklyn becomes really dangerous and almost form a big three. Um, and, and you know, we've, we've touched the box. Um, so we'll have a look at the Celtics now. Um, Kemba, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Look, they lost Gordon Hayward in the offseason, but it's basically just the same team. Nothing really changed. They picked up Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague. Um, I think that's a, just, you know, two solid guys. Tristan Thompson spent all his career in uh, Cleveland. He's a great NBA asset. Um, they've got exactly. So he brings experience, um, but again, it's kind of like the DeAndre. Um, so DeAndre uh, Jordan and um, Jared Allen situation with Tyson there. Thompson. Yeah, how do they coexist? Yeah, yeah, you know, with exactly Thompson and, and um, yeah. How do they coexist? Who do you, who do you start? I would start Tyson because Tyson is the better defender out of the two, at least. Perimeter-wise. Interior, 
you could make the argument for Tristan, but like perimeter right wise, Tice is the better defender. Uh, that said, Tristan is the more valuable center out of the two. I think come playoff time, you'll probably see Tristan starting more games than Tice. 100% yeah. because of the and experience. On there. top of that, I just want to touch on the fact that, you know, Kemba, he is going to be starting the season injured. Okay. He's going to miss the first few games, which will be a bit of an issue for the Celtics because second unit scoring last season was one of their biggest boosts. You'd have Jalen Brown and Kemba usually on the court at the same time with Tatum filling in when they're not. But with Kemba exactly. last season, who helps Jalen Brown? Because he struggles. One of his biggest struggles uh, is the fact that he really can't generate offense for himself. So do you think someone like Aaron Naismith, the rookie, uh, is going to have to step up to help Brown be able to create the offensive uh, output that he needs in those second unit minutes? Well, well, or a guy like Romeo Langford. He could be, in terms of a point guard, a guard to step up big. And then you've got Jeff Teague there. So, and that that's a... They are the guys that you're looking to, but with last year they had Gordon Hayward. They don't have him now, so that's a it's a great point. Um, who who steps up? Marcus Smart. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. If Smart can get some output offensively, they would greatly uh, appreciate that. Yeah, they would. That would hugely benefit that that off their offensive scoring, um, and I definitely think they would win more tight games if he became. You know, a little bit more consistent. He's definitely a great player. Stop the flops every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's look down a little bit. We'll look into the West now for a second. Dallas. Uh, let's yep. talk about the Mavericks for a sec. Because, you know, on paper, they aren't the greatest team in the world. You know, Chris Aspazingis as a co-star is interesting. You know, key role players of Tim yeah. Hardaway Jr., Josh Richardson, Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell, Boban Majanovic. You know, it's an interesting combination that, you know, on paper, it doesn't look that strong. But then you add Luka Doncic, and all of a sudden, it becomes extremely formidable. It's just... And that's the thing. Luka, Luka Doncic, he's the key. He's the life and soul of that team. If he comes out and hits the floor running to start the season, a lot of pressure gets taken off Dallas, um, and they can just get in the mix of the season. But... And interesting, they, they did lose uh, DeLon Wright, and I thought that was a bad, just, they, that was a negative for them. They, I think they're going to struggle not having a backup point guard. Um, you know, they lost Seth Curry as well. So that's the only, air, that's the grey area for me, for the Mavs, in terms of are they going to be able to get success? Are they going to be successful, sorry, without having... Uh, and don't forget, Chris Stapps is starting the season on the injured list as well. Uh, still recovering from that knee injury he picked up in the uh, playoff series against the Clippers. Uh, now, next team, it's not exactly a contender, but I think we need to do this for Sean's sake. The Thunder, okay? Uh, so, yeah. Um, the Thunder. <laughs> uh, Are they a contender? Oh, my God. <laughs> they were given, what, an 0.1% chance to make the playoffs last season. They end up being the 5C. A, a Lou Dort shot away from knocking out the Rockets. So... What do you think yeah. of OKC? Like, well, it's interesting because you know we got rid of our coach and Billy Donovan. We made big trades, lost Stephen Adams, we lost Chris Paul, and we've got so many picks. And and I and 
and I, I don't I, I don't want to get into that because I could just go on for ages about how I think they have too many picks. Well, but a guy like Al Horford, he yes, we look to trade him. He's probably not going to be there by the end of the season. But look, you've got in there him and Shea Gilligas in a pick and roll situation would be great. Um, look, I think that they need to utilize the three point really like like the kick out and drive because if you've got a guy like. Al Horford on the perimeter, um, you've got to be able to use him. I think because he's still a yeah. three point shooter. And I'll tell you what the I'll tell you what I really do like the rookies he picked up, uh, Teo Maladon, uh, uh, Alexi oh Kuko. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his surname. Uh, you know, those are two <laughs> very talented rookies. You know, Puko probably has to put on a bit more weight. He looks like uh, he looks like rookie Kevin Me. Durant yeah, definitely. shooting. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and the younger players though, Darius Blazley in his second year, Lou Dort. You know, like we've got great young guys. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see in terms of the next year for our draft yeah. picks where we. Go. Uh, so now getting off uh, that, I'm not. I'm not even going to say. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Uh, we'll move. We'll move on to Denver. <laughs> the the probably the biggest surprise of last season's playoffs. Uh, getting to the Western Conference Finals, having overturned 3-1 deficits against both Utah and the Clippers. Um, this team honestly looks better than it did last year, Sean. Do you agree with that? Yeah, well, you know, they've picked up, you know, RJ Hampton in the draft as well. And, and they've got, you know, just great key role players in Paul Millsap, Will Bar- um, Barton, um, Jermichael, Jermichael Green, Jermichael Green. I think I said that wrong. Gary, <laughs> but the big guy, the big two young players as well, are Michael Porter Jr. and Bol Bol, because Bol Bol, no, he's, he's not healthy now, is he? He's still, he's healthy. Michael Porter Jr. is healthy. You add that to Nikola Jokic and and Murray, that is a, an exciting team to watch. And for me, they're going to be the team. That you know who I'm really excited to see, like. I'll give Bol Bol love. I really want, love to see Bol Bol. But you know who I'm really excited to see from the Nuggets? Facundo Campazzo. Okay? Who? This guy, he's a 29-year-old rookie out of Argentina. Okay? A lot of people, when they come into the league, yeah. like that, a lot of people kind of like, oh, who's this geezer? You know, what's he doing on an NBA roster? But those guys are <laughs> oftentimes some of the best players to come in because they have so much experience internationally. And Campuzo in particular, or Campazzo, rather, I think I pronounced it wrong, uh, Campazzo, he is an absolute magician with the basketball in terms of passing. Like, he was first pass he throws in the preseason was a full-court athlete pass with backspin. Who does that? <laughs> exactly. He is going him. to be, imagine him. him and Jokic <laughs> on the court at the same time. The passes that they can throw. You know, and I don't know exactly. where the Nuggets find these guys. You know, they probably just, they're probably just walking through <laughs> the back alleys of Serbia looking for guys playing basketball and they're like, you, <laughs> you're a Nugget now, let's go. <laughs> and that's like, we're we'll playing on the flight, let's go, we're going to Denver. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, Denver's scouting team is starting to look a lot like how we praise Toronto, how we're starting to praise the Lakers. Yeah. 
Um, they've just got, yeah, they've just got an all-round roster. And, and the young guys with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, who are in the mix of their careers, you know, Jokic, Joker, the Joker's in his prime. Murray is... Uh, 24, Jamal Murray. He is... Yeah, twenty four. Oh, he's twenty seven. Sorry. So, oh my god. No, he's not. That's not <laughs> um, Embiid is twenty seven. Jamal Murray definitely isn't. But they just have an, an all round roster. And they're looking really good. Um, to go to another team, uh, the Miami Heat, um, another contender for the NBA championship. Um, obviously coming off the runners up of last year in the bubble there. Um. And they just added, again, good guys um, to their roster. Well, it's actually the same It's roster. the same roster, but you're replacing Jay Crad with Avery Bradley. And Precious Sachua, yeah. And Precious Sachua, you got in the draft. And I think that's great because Derek Jones... Jr., well, he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't great, playing minutes in the finals. That's, he's not going to... There's your answer right there. If you're not playing minutes exactly. in the playoffs, then you know, your spot on the roster definitely isn't vital to the team. Exactly. And and the Heat, you know, they're no, renowned for getting those rookies that just come out of nowhere. Kendrick Nolan. Even, even Tyler Harris um, to an extent. Look. Yeah, and even Duncan Robinson as well. So, look, Precious Achua, I have a lot of faith in him. He's a great um, a physical player. A solid, he's got a solid build. So, I'm really excited to see how that plays out. And I think, it, again, they'll be definitely just making the playoffs. Um, and... Yeah, they just look absolutely spectacular. Um, let's have a look at the the Golden State Warriors quickly to touch on them. Um, is it are they a contender? Okay, okay. I don't think so. In my opinion, if Clay Thompson was healthy, my answer is yes. I'm going to be straight up there. If Clay Thompson was playing this season, they would the Warriors would 100 percent be a contender. But Clay's out. 100 percent agree. Everything's on Steph again. And we saw, like, everyone's going to bring up, you know, when I say everything's on staff, it's not looking good. Everyone's going to say, oh, the only reason we missed the playoffs last year was because Steph broke his hand. They were one and three before Steph broke his hand, okay? You know, or, or they were one and two and lost exactly. and Steph broke his hand. So it's not like they were, you know, every, yeah. everyone talks about how the Lakers when LeBron did his groin in 2019. The Lakers were the four seed. It's not like they, the Warriors were in that position. They were already looking a bit off, and then Seth breaks his hand, and it's basically season over. That said, it wouldn't surprise me yeah. if the Warriors do shock a few people and make you know a second round, maybe even a conference finals berth in the playoffs, because Steph Curry is that guy. He... But, but just to quickly add that he's in, he hasn't had to – he's never had – He's never had to carry a load like he has to carry this season. Never in his career has he had to. Is there that much weight on his shoulders that's on his shot that will be on his shoulders? You know, it's not really like when he was younger. Um, you know, yes, you could sort of draw comparisons to you know the days when they Clay Thompson was young and and Draymond Green, but there was no pressure back then. Now there's there's a lot of pressure on him. There's a lot of weight in his shoulders. And I think they need to quickly find a guy to to kind of while Clay Thompson's injured to you know take some of that pressure off Stephen Curry. And if James Wiseman can really hit the like hit this season, hit the floor running in this season, 
then I, I'm definitely saying at best they're making a conference final. Um, but it's just I'm, it's just going to be interesting to see how Stephen Curry deals with all this weight in his shoulder because not not saying he's not a great player, you know, he's not questioning his abilities as a player. Just you know, well, that's, I mean, that's it's a lot of weight to carry. I mean, you've got to remember, and they've got a lot. He of went into guys. a finals game, okay, where his starting lineup was Quinn Cook. Alfonso McKinney, uh, Draymond Green, and DeMarcus Cousins. You know, that's not exactly the best supporting cast in the world. And um, do you know what Steph did in that game? Game three of the 2019 NBA Finals. He dropped 30-plus, am I right? He dropped... I'm waiting for you. I know exactly how many points he dropped. I'm waiting for you. Okay. 47. I'm going to say he dropped 40. I knew it was... I knew he dropped a lot. Because I think the game before he dropped 30... But, you know, the question... Don't quote me, so... Obviously, we we saw that pace from Steph in the finals. But can he do that over the course of an entire season? That's going to be the thing with yeah. Golden State. Over we know Steph is going to come out and drop a bunch of points. But can he do consistently drop those points and win games over the season? That's going, yeah. that's going to be the issue. Because like, you look at guys like Ken- Harden, who was able to average 36 points over the 18-19 um, season, okay? you know, But he'd have games where he, he dropped 60 points and then a couple games later, he dropped 15, 10 points. Okay? Steph can't afford to do that. Because exactly. at least when Harden did... It, it's, it, that's going to be the big test. Steph doesn't have those guys. Yeah, he yeah I get I, Sorry, you go, yeah. Libre Jr. and James Wiseman, who are all... Don't get me wrong. They're all very good players. Obviously, we haven't seen much of Wiseman in the NBA. But we know what Wiggins is going to provide. And we know to a certain extent what Ubre is going to provide. Yeah. But, you know, they aren't Chris Paul or Clint Capella. Exactly. And, and, that, and that's the interesting thing, you know, as you mentioned, the, can he do it for the whole season? And, and to quickly move now to some of the younger teams in the NBA, um, the Memphis Grizzlies, and then we'll go to New Orleans. Memphis, they look great. And, and in that first preseason game against... Minnesota, they played a fast and physical brand of basketball, which is exactly John Morant. He likes to play fast, he likes to play physical, and he likes to do a little bit of just everything. And I think, you know, a similar roster, they didn't really change much over the offseason, but, you know, do you just see them picking up where they left off? Um, well, first of all, of, I'll just drop a fun fact you know, about from where um, they were last year. Jonas Valanciunas is actually the most experienced player in the team, which is crazy to think about. Uh, but Memphis, uh, Memphis <laughs> team are going to improve. You know, you've got John Morant going into his second year. There's usually a big improvement from first year to second year. Jaron Jackson Jr. going into his third year. Brandon Clark as well. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some improvement there. But in terms of the rest of the league, though, exactly. they're not going to improve on their record for last year. They're going to still be just outside a playoff berth, you know, because, mm. exactly, there's just not they don't enough have that depth supporting cost. in Memphis at the moment. The depth will come. One of the beauties 
of having your best player being a second-year pro is the fact that they're on their rookie contract for another three years. So you can use that to build around them. Exactly. There's there's plenty of time and there's less pressure on, on the team and the players um, yeah, know, to, and I mean, obviously away. it'll come with Memphis. It's going to be a, it's going to be a process, and not exactly as much yeah. of a process as the Sixers were back in the day, but it's going to be a process. And the quicker mm. we can see Morant reach his peak, the better it's going to be for Memphis in the future. And if if John Morant reaches his peak this year, which he won't, we all know he's going to just keep getting better. But say maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Let's say Morant averages three or four years down the track. 26, 8 and 8, something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm if saying, he manages yeah, 20, to do something like that, we could talk about close for the Memphis Grizzlies 110%. And another bonus that would come off him playing so great, having even a though, great season, even though it attracts Memphis are a small free agents and, and, even and attracts Memphis are a small market, come you know, they haven't had much issue mm. when it comes to getting players in there, you know. They managed to get Tony Allen in. They've got they managed to get Zach Randolph in back in the day. Uh and they've got a very good front office who's very good at drafting the players that they need to succeed. So I have no doubts in three, four years we're probably gonna end up talking about Memphis as a title contender. I know I said that four years ago about the Timberwolves and we're still talking them as a potential 10 seed, but you get, you get where I'm going with this. Like Memphis are going to be one of those teams. I mean, you got to remember they once won a playoff series as an eight seed. Okay. They're just one of those teams where once they get into their straps and they start making the playoffs, they are there to stay and they're going to stick around for a long time. Exactly. Once they're in that zone, that they are definitely a team to to watch out for. New Orleans, um, look again, a team that didn't really change over the off season, but you know, obviously with Brandon Ingram, that was the big thing in terms of them for this off season. He re-signed there. Look, um, I just I think that's great for for, for him to re-sign. It sets up a, a good duo with Zion Williams and Brandon Ingram for the future, and then they've. They picked up Eric Bledsloe. He was the only real <laughs> Come on, you're a Thunder team. fan, oh, and bro. Stephen How did you forget that? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was definitely, you know, sad to see Stephen Adams go. But it's they've just got – they've got better, actually, over the offseason. Um, not too much has changed in terms of outside Eric Bledsoe and Stephen Adams. So, they're a team that – is just going to get That's better. Big. Hopefully, I think they're hopefully the Zion stays healthy. That's going to be the big thing for the Pelicans this season. If Zion stays healthy, because basketball yeah. reference is projecting him to drop like 27-11 a game, which is ridiculous. Uh, if he stays healthy, 100% we talk about New Orleans mm. as a playoff contender. I also want to give a shout out to something interesting that's happening with the 2017 draft class. You know, What's interesting is the fact that, you know, Jason Tatum. <laughs> yeah, well, and, so, 2017 draft. Obviously, this is very unrelated, but you made me think about it with the um, with the Ingram contract extension. So, you look at the 2017 draft class. Jason Tatum has got his contract extension extended. Okay, 
De'Aaron Fox has got his contract extended. Yeah, but Ingram. you know who hasn't got their contract extended? Yep. The top two picks in that draft class, Markel Fultz and Lonzo right Ball, both are going into their fourth <laughs> season without a contract extension. It's crazy to think about. I th- well, yeah, it is, and that's and that and that says just because a player and that's is why and that's why you see the teams like the Grizzlies and the Nuggets running around. But in- and and Miami too. Miami didn't have a player in the finals. Uh, they said that so many times in the um in the uh, telecast, and I'm going to have to say it again. They didn't have a player in the finals that was drafted in the top ten. Exactly. Um, it, it's called still the draft and. And to and quickly, you made me think about. Um, He's not even on there anymore. Fox, uh, <laughs> going to the seven. <laughs> I know he's not even on there. Just, <laughs> I know he's in Orlando, but you know what? I, you're just mentioning that. You know, Markel Fultz and the Seventy Sixers picking him. You know, um, it just made me think of, of the Seventy Sixers and to go to them. Um, they they've got great pickups in the offseason. Really surprising. Getting guys like Dwight Howard, Seth Curry, and, and Danny Green, um, I I think they they're much better for it. And in the rookie Tyrese Maxey, I think that's a great pickup as well for them um, in terms of, of a draft pick. So I see them being a solid fourth um, player, four, five, even three um, in in the East. I I don't see them as a perennial. Um, well, also while we're here, I see on them as a contender for the championship. Shout out. Shout out to Paul Reed, okay? Shout out to Paul Reed. Look, if you're on Twitter and you're on NBA Twitter <laughs> and you aren't following Paul Reed, what the hell is wrong with you? This man, okay? Let me pull up some Do Paul it. Reed tweets in the last couple of days, okay? Let me just go Paul Reed, okay? This guy <laughs> is just one of us. Like, he is just a dude who is vibing and just playing basketball. He's just. Yeah, like he like, knows he's getting paid. The first game before his first game, you know, okay. We go to Paul B-ball. Paul is B-ball. Paul is literally his Twitter username, okay. B-ball. Paul, it's crazy, and he played in the Paul as well, <laughs> okay. It's perfect. But before his first NBA game, he tweeted out, first NBA game today. Y'all wish me luck." Didn't play a single minute, so he tweeted out. Finna have to get it out of the mud again. A day later, day later, he just tweets out, gotta go harder. <laughs> and then yesterday, in his second game, he scored his first basket. So he tweets after the game, scored my first NBA points today. Lol, I'm too lit. Like, this dude, this dude <laughs> is just a real one. Okay? He's just a real one. I love, I love that dude. He's going to be, even if he doesn't get minutes with the Sixers, he's going to be one of my favorite players in the NBA this season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, 100%. I'm, Paul Reed, you heard it. Follow him. Paul um, let's have Let's have a look at the Charlotte Hornets. Um, to have a look at them. An interesting uh, signing, Gordon Hayward, we mentioned before. But looking at the, the key role players in that team, and, and here's the thing, where does LaMelo Ball fit in in terms of the three-guard situation they have there? Because they've got Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, then you add LaMelo. Um, look, do you, who do you start out of the, 
those three. Because I think keep in mind to start the season off, shooting guard. Wrong. It would be best so, to keep Lamelo on the bench just so he can ease his way in. Like we said uh, at the top of the podcast about how much rookie shooters struggle going into the NBA, it might be best for Lamelo mm. to sit back for a little while. But as the season goes on, it wouldn't surprise me if Devonte ends mm. up being the sixth man because let's face it, okay. First of all, Devonte is an awful defender, so that makes him the perfect sixth man. Uh, and second of all. They're paying Terry Rozier way too much money to sit his ass on the bench. You know? Exactly. And another and another reason why Devontae Graham would make a good second role is he can play the two and the one guard. They can all play well not also, so much Terry also, Rozier, but Lamello can play the two guard or Michael the one Jordan's guard. business Very decisions well. here, okay? This is this is going to be a NBA funny story. So <laughs> first of all, on top of paying Gordon Hayward one twenty mil over four years. Let's talk about the Nicholas Batum situation, okay? So Batum heading into the season was on the last year of a $27 million contract. Uh-huh. The, the most overpaid player. Yep. He, he, yep. Is, now, he was okay. the most overpaid player on that. What would you do if your player, who is completely overpaid, has one year and $27 million left on their contract? You, you don't get any trade offers for him. Why would anyone I'll want trade to trade him for Nicholas last year. on that contract? Okay, so trade is off the table. Usually, what you do is you just sit on that contract, let him play out the last just year, and him. let him walk in free agency. Okay, perfect plan, tried and true. So, what do the Hornets do? They release him. They release him. <laughs> but not only do they, they release him, okay? If they release him, oh, they take up the $27 million over just, just this year, it'd be okay. But no, they release him and stretch his contract. So instead of paying, instead of paying $27 million for this year and being done with and... it, they now have to pay him $9 million a year over the next three years. And that's the thing because the rule is if you if in the next three the only way you can release someone and not have to have any problems with their caps early is by I think it's signing someone Which for didn't more happen or because the stretch of their Once contract in a three days stretched, they can't be claimed on waivers. So mm-hmm. as a result, the Hornets now have a nine million dollar cap hole, and even if they didn't go out and sign Gordon Hayward. Just because of that $9 million alone, they wouldn't have had a max slot next season. They would have only had one when they could have had two if they had just kept the two and ate in the cap for this season. Exactly. And, like, it just thank makes, God, you know, thank God Michael he called Jones the goat for what he did on the court and not office. Because if you're just basing it off what he did as <laughs> an owner and a GM, you would think this guy's not top 100 all time. Hold on, hold on. And I'll, here's a good argument. If, if, if you're the LeBron fans out there who are trying to argue that he's better than um, Michael Jordan, just mention how, how bad his ownership and general manager's you know, career has been and compare it to LeBron, who hasn't even retired. is real. already a better, <laughs> better GM than um, Michael Jordan. Yeah, but 
let's finish this off. <laughs> the G- by talking the about GM is real. <laughs> who I think the best way to describe yeah. them is enigmas. You know, I have no idea how either of these two teams will go, which is why I want to get okay. your opinion on that. First one, the Pacers. Okay. That I was just about to mention. For, the, for me, the Pacers, um, it's interesting because they've obviously got Oladipo back and he's healthy. Um, they've got Malcolm Brogdon, who uh, he's, he's healthy as well. Um, look, I, I, and they've got Sabonis. I don't see them. I, I could see them being an eighth seed, maybe even a seventh seed. I was surprised with how well they went last year, um, you know, but it's interesting. I could just see them being an eight seed. I think they'll they'll just be, you know, that team that's in their perennial team. They're in contention for that eight spot, but you wouldn't definitely you definitely wouldn't be surprised if they they didn't have it. And losing Bogdanovich, Boban Bogdanovich, that's huge because he was the key player for them last year, and that's why. Um, his success heavily was a heavy reason as to why they made the playoffs. Um, look, for me, I just as I that eighth seed, ninth to tenth most likely. And the second if, one, if they don't make the playoffs. Utah, you, you'd understand why. The Utah Jazz, you know, like they added last year you know, a lot of promise for that team because they had. Mike Con- they added Mike Conley, um, and then they got Bojan Bogdanovic late in the season. So I'm going to completely retract <laughs> what I said about him being the reason why they made the playoffs. Fuck you, wasn't <laughs> in the team. That's really bad. Um, sorry, my French. But they've got Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. I, I don't know. I think they're just going to make the playoffs, and they could be the – okay, they're the team that – Yes, they could surprise. Like they've got the potential to be the team. You're like, whoa, where did they come from? And and having Donovan Mitchell, look, man, you know he's only getting better. Rudy Gobert, he'll have to step up and play big this season. But I think it's the role players. They need to figure out where Mike Conley fits into that roster. Um, but they've got guys like uh, Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles, who are just absolutely great, um, and Derek Favors. So the way I see it, I'm I saying they're going to finish a six to fifteen. To how you said, I think the Pacers. You know, they they still have the same team they had last okay. year, which was a five seed. But now you also have Brooklyn. You know, getting Kevin Durant back, which is I don't even have to say low key, which is just straight up massive. Uh, you got Philadelphia, who also finished below them last season. They've yeah. Replace Brett Brown with Doc Rivers, which is again a very, very positive move. So the Pacers are kind of in a situation mm. where we look at last season, you know, yep. the Montessor bonus didn't go into the bubble with them. Uh, Victor Oladipo was a literal net negative last season when he in the bubble in the playoffs. Uh, TJ Warren played in the playoffs hurt. Yeah, he was, yeah, TJ Warren, not, not both. He Bono, was the man uh, I was thinking of. Yeah, you just piss off a yeah. bunch of Pacers fans. Uh, I apologize. But, you know, they're a good team. And I think they'll be <laughs> the seventh seed. I think they'll be a very comfortable seventh seed. But they won't be contending for a top six seed. Then they won't be at risk of missing out in the playoffs. They'll be like, you know, you know those teams that are like 
43 and 39 back in the 82 game schedules. Like, they'll be one of those teams. They'll probably end up finishing, like, you know, 37, 34 or something like that, whatever yeah. whatever the hell adds up to 72 games. And, you know... Oh, 37, 35. Exactly. I think yeah. you... Well, you know, you got the Wizards the fighting at, like, yeah, yeah. 33 and 38. Or 34 and 38 to be that eight seed. So they won't be at risk of missing out of the playoffs, but at the same time, you'll have the teams above them exactly. that are all so, like, pushing that are all probably pushing forty wins. So yeah, a hundred percent. And another team before we wrap up the Portland Trailblazers, um, I want to get your thoughts on them. How do you think they go on re-signing Carmelo Anthony? Um, you know, they've got great supporting casts um, in terms of Robert Covington, Rodney Hood. Um, they get Nurkic, Joseph Nurkic back. He's healthy. Zach Collins. Um, and well, first obviously of all, the duo between uh, CJ McCollum and, and Damian Lillard. How much longer Where do you see about them? calling CJ McCollum a star in this league? Because he's kind of underperformed a little bit. I see. Yeah. Well, I think last yeah. year he underperformed. But... The, the, the year special look. Obviously, you as a Thunder fan, you know a fair bit about the Portland Trailblazers uh, from the 2019 season. I didn't mean. I didn't mean it that way. What, <laughs> what, I, what I was going to say. Thank you for reminding me. This Trailblazers <laughs> team that they're putting out this season is better than that 2019 season where Lillard hit that shot over Paul George, where they end up beating the Nuggets in seven games to go on a Western Conference Finals run. I would say. This this Blazers team is better. Lillard is getting better. He's probably going to be, depending on how Portland go, in the MVP race this season. Uh, Nurkic is healthy. Oh, he 100%. Could oh, yeah. He's definitely be uh, um, establish himself as a top five center in the league if he isn't already. You know, and as and as Cantor is back, Melo, Melo coming back for another he, year. Yeah. The that's. That's a big thing. Those two yep. players, and then you the big ones, Mello, sorry, um, and you know they, they didn't have to trade much for him, and to be able to pick him up after what he did uh, with Houston in the bubble, where he was by far their third best player. You know, you had that defensive presence and that short, that surefire third option that Covington provides. That's a massive, really underrated pickup for them, and then. The fourth one is that young call. Zach Collins, Gary Trent Jr., and Anthony Simon. You know, those three all got significant minutes at the back end of the Blazers' last uh, series. I think Collins was hurt come playoff time, but Trent Jr. and Simons both played against the Lakers. They're only going to get better. And it's scary. If Portland's like, team was a bit more organized and the ages weren't all over the place... We'd be putting them in that same category as Memphis and New Orleans as guys in two years down the line that are going to be an absolute issue. But they're, you know, they're all over the place age-wise. But this season is probably going to be the best chance Damian Lillard has of winning a title in Portland. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Because Everything I think is on the table now for the Trailblazers. He's got all in. He, he might okay? be asking for a trade. You have to make something happen now. That's the big thing. 
Yeah. Exactly. And and with that being said, going all in, kind of um, moving on to sort of the last part of the podcast, we talked about finals favourites, but we didn't say who we thought would be our Cinderella story. So I'm going to give you a minute. Say who your Cinderella okay. story is. My Cinderella story is going me to be the, the reason Dallas why. Rams. Okay. I think they're going to end up being the three seed in a very stacked West. Okay. And the reason why I say that is because Luka Doncic is going to have or at least establish himself as an all-time great. He's going to have an MVP season where he probably gets close to averaging a triple-double. Mm. He's going to be able to lead this team to 50, if not 55 wins. Probably not 55, because that would be like one of the best teams in the league. But, you know, 50 wins, that has to be the goal for Dallas this season with a player <laughs> like Doncic. And I think he, he's going to be able to single-handedly get them there. Okay. okay. Oh, we, we, we okay. both have the same mindset on that one. I was, was, was going to go Dallas, but for the, for the sake of this, Ooh, I'm going to be... I want to hear this. Win, but I'm going to go the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> now, we've got Zion. Imagine if Zion, you know, like you've got Brandon Ingram. If he, I think he's really going to have another huge breakout season, like on top of... And the breakout season he had last year, he's just going to get better. If Zion stays healthy, has an explosive second year like we've never seen, which I think there's potential for, not much, but there's still potential. And then you add the key role players like Lonzo, Stephen Adams, Eric Bledslow, who's it, Brent, Jackson Hayes, yeah, Adams, Brent experience, Lonzo Ball, JJ Redick, um, you know, Hayes. It could happen, I think it could happen, but there would have to be. Monumental injuries in the West for somehow for them to be able to get past like the Lakers, the Clippers, and you know all the other teams and the Mavericks and etc. But if everything, if the heavens opened up above, Zion well, be a, I a think I'll like, finish off with the most absurd postseason take I've seen. So Legion Hoops on Twitter put out a tweet asking people okay. to who's winning the NBA championship this season. Make you drop your predictions. Someone said, this is a tweet, I present to you Denver over Boston yep. in six. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is, this is their reasoning. Clippers break, up, Clippers break up in a strip club. LeBron pulls the hammy. Okay, yeah. Doc Rivers trades for Austin Rivers. They break up in a strip club. Wait, uh, sorry, what did the Clippers Mavericks do? Mavericks and Heat refuse to trade because of Giannis, who starts stop tweeting his teammates when they're down 2-1. Durant can't, ju- can't jump and Kyrie explodes. Rigo <laughs> Bear gets shipped and just simply lol sons. <laughs> Harden, Harden shaves his beard. What happened to Harden? There, there's, there's the answer. Harden shaves the beard. Like, like Kyrie. Loses all his magic. Loses all his magic. <laughs> I go. I like. I like how he's reasoning for Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving literally exposed. Kyrie's There's no more there. Kyrie he's Irving like, after like all the break. I'm done. <laughs> oh, all right. That is an absolutely great note to end this podcast on. I um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back in about two weeks with um, the the you know the start of 
season one of you will have this is the first episode. Um, but yeah, definitely, this is officially the first episode. Um, but we'll be starting uh, our season segment where the episodes will be the same every week, same style. Sorry. Um, so yeah, um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Reese, thank you. You were absolutely brilliant today and um, made that podcast really uh, enjoyable. Thanks for having so me. I, I can't wait else, uh, to get this going long term. Reece, thanks for coming on. Fun. It's going to be absolutely great. Can't wait for the NBA season. So thanks, everyone. And as we mentioned before, um, we're available on Spotify. Um, we're also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. We uh, make it on Anchor. So um, go check us out. Share it with your friends and everything. It would be great. We just want to build um, you know, some yeah, great fan base. But, yeah, thank you. And um, that's it, guys. That's a wrap.